Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting-edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Well, it's just very lucky we hit record. Welcome, Susan Hawkins. Thank you, Kathy. Great to be here. And Susan is the founding director of PQ Plus, and we did our maths. We haven't had a little podcast chat since 2018. It's outrageous. Everything that's been going on, I think that's just probably indicative of life. <laughs> it might have been a few motivational um, text messages across 2020 with, you know, um, appropriate emojis or not. But, um, you know, nothing much has happened in two years, I wouldn't say. I don't think so. It's just, no. just the usual, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say. And, you know, what we were saying was back in 2018, there was just huge heat around audit and what is it and how is it and will I cry and what difference will it make and how much will it cost? So um, maybe give us a little kind of intro about what you guys do and how you're so relevant to audit. Yeah, no problem. So uh, our, our company is called PQ+. Plus. Um, the PQ really stands for Practical Quality. Um, what we do, we're focused around NDIS compliance and quality management. Um, we like to actually say quality management more than compliance, uh, which I might touch on a bit later as well. Um, we'll get the dictionary out while you're chatting. <laughs> Um, and, and really, we're, we're consultants that are focused on helping uh, pr- providers go through the registration process to become a registered NDIS mm. provider and then keep registered, essentially. So yep. audits is our day-to-day, uh, dealing with auditors, dealing with the practice standards, dealing with all of those requirements is, is really our expertise and our, our focus. Yeah. So who are the businesses you help through this process? We help all shapes and sizes of businesses. (laughs) Um, Some of, quite a few of which I know, and we will celebrate them quietly. Absolutely. No, I celebrate them loudly. Oh, loudly, yeah, but just quietly (laughs) to ourselves. Yeah. So look, we've worked with all kinds of allied health providers, uh, both big and small, um, doing all all kinds of things from early childhood intervention, special mm. behaviour support, um, across the gamut of allied health. Mm. Um, we also work with, um, you know, more of your community-focused disability organisations who yep. do support work. And, and so those organisations would be supporting or complementary to allied health services mm. as well. Um, you know, occasionally we get really... Uh, <laughs> Fascinating, interesting, uh, very different uh, businesses such as, you know, your, your kind of paint and sip type uh, business uh, and gone through a registration process as well. So it's really, it keeps me on my toes uh, understanding what, what people are doing and the creativity out there is fantastic. That is way more variety than what I was anticipating, but good nonetheless. <laughs> So in the last couple of years, you have held the hand of many a business owner through the audit process. What what have you learned from that? And I guess the the themes that you've you've noticed. 
Yeah. So, look, regardless of the the pathway, the audit pathway that that people have gone down, the there's there's a couple of issues that really kind of pop out, um, and and have have really become really strong themes, I guess. Um, and and these are things like um, the time it takes to prepare for an audit. So people always underestimate how much time it's actually going to take to get everything together. So that's regardless of which which pathway you go down. So it look it does look different for verification versus certification versus verification plus early childhood module. Um, but all of those pathways include risk management. Now, this is a major area uh, for businesses to get their heads around really what that means in terms of uh, uh, both from a business perspective but also from a client perspective. Um, and so particularly for allied health practitioners' practices, um, there's been a really – we've done a lot of work with people to help them understand what that what risk management looks like or what risk looks like mm. from both those perspectives, so from a client-based perspective or a business-based perspective. Um, the other big, big theme, and it's it's one that you you wouldn't really think would happen, uh, is people having the appropriate clearances, so the appropriate police checks. Um, you'd be surprised how often that it it comes up during order that people don't have what they actually need to have, and of course that's just changed in February again for people. So I acknowledge that that's another system that changes all the time. Um, and look, the the other one is around the maintenance of the quality system that people have in place. Now, this will become more of an emerging theme as people go into their midterm audits for yeah. certification, but certainly for re re-verification when that comes up for people as well. Um, so they're they're probably the the biggest themes that have happened. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I would agree that risk is kind of a very mysterious word. Um, and it can mean everything or nothing or just different to the, you know, different sort of people. So um, I, I just remember, I'm, I'm smiling as I speak, I remember reading a Facebook post years ago, probably 2018, and people, there was a question in there, you know, what is the biggest risk to your business um, as identified in the NDIS audit? And everyone just said, well, the NDIS, well, the NDIS. <laughs> so just quickly run us through what, how you describe um, risk to business owners and, and just get them thinking a little along these lines. And, and particularly for allied health practitioners, the, the easiest way I can describe risk from a client point of view. So one of the requirements is that you have a documented risk assessment for every client. Mm. And, and almost 100% of the time people say, but, but we, don't, we don't do that. Um, I say, well, actually you do do that. You just don't call it a risk assessment. So all of the allied health professions, as part of your professional training, as part of the assessment you do with a client, you, you're, you're assessing risk. That's exactly what you're doing. You're just not thinking about it in terms of putting that label on it and calling it a risk. Mm. Um, so where people struggle to say, well, I can't think what a risk would be to a client, um, Probably the easiest way to, to, to get people to think about it is anything that's going to make you change the way you deliver that service to a client can be identified as a risk. Okay. Mm. Okay. 
Okay, so it's also just digging in a little and relabeling some of the work you do that is going to very comfortably sit under the banner of risk as well, mm. maybe just topping it up a little. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. can think of it also in terms of um, using different language to say, well, what is it that you want to protect? So mm. instead of saying, well, what's the risk? You say, well, what's the area or what's the, the that particular issue that you want to protect? Yep. 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 So any other kind of last themes that you've noted over the last couple of years? Uh, look, I, I think the the only other big one is is very much confusion around which which requirements apply to who and why and how much does it cost. Um, mm. um, that 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 would be the biggest one. I think that that people are really getting their heads around um, what the requirements are, whether it's a verification audit that they need if they're doing just therapeutic supports or you know. But there's still there can still be some confusion around early childhood, depending on the the business structure. So unfortunately, there's there's always grey areas for yeah. people. So it's it's really important to to have a chat even mm. with the auditors or you know someone like me. I can clarify that stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you've held their hands through the preparation and through those hot days of audit. What do business owners sort of talk about and express afterwards when they've passed what do they say <laughs> um once i think it's it's such a relief yeah it's a pass um i think you know and and to acknowledge that audits can be stressful and especially when people don't know what to expect um you know i, I can tell people what to expect but until people actually go through it um, you know, hopefully they get to the other side and they say, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be or, you know, the auditor wasn't as tough as I thought they'd be. Um, mostly I encourage people to go and celebrate their success because mm -hmm. um, that's, I mean, it's so critical. So much preparation goes into just, you know, getting everything ready for that audit day. Um, but it's important to kind of, just stop and, and celebrate for a second. Yeah. Do business owners sort of report that it was really good work to do? It was good, necessary improvement work to do? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That and and it's not always that's not always people's immediate response following the audit. But no, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> glow just days and weeks later yeah, that's the, right. yeah. a couple of memories have been deleted yeah. yeah that's that's right yeah so um a lot of clients have reported back you know six months later they've really been able to embed their systems and mm. the business has been able to grow because the scaffolding has been there the systems and processes have been there in order to for them to be able to then continue implementing and scale scale up um, and scale out um, and expand in that way. So, yeah, yeah, very positive. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Heartening, heartening for those that are putting their little toe in the audit registration kind of water. So it is about quality management and quality management <laughs> mindset and bringing the whole team on board. Share a little bit more about, about that. Mm. So I'll go back. I'll go back to why I distinguish between compliance and quality. Management. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't get my dictionary. It's not here. <laughs> Look, 
the way the way we see it, the compliance is usually seen as a tick box exercise, right? If yeah. you you have to comply, it means you, you you absolutely have to do this. Someone's telling you you have to tick that box. You have to have this particular thing in place. If you do that, then you meet the requirement. Fantastic, you've done a great job. But with with quality management, and I think what the objectives of the practice standards are, is really around, it's it's much more around a process. It's it's much more about developing those systems that allow you to um, show your expertise within the system that you create. So it's, it's not necessarily about having a tick box and just going through and making sure that you're, you're covering off things that don't mean anything, whereas you can create something meaningful that will actually help your business expand and grow, like we, we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not that's not an easy thing for people to get their head around because you've still got the NDIS Commission saying you need to have an audit, you have to have an audit, you have to comply with this, you have to comply with that, you've got the NDIS Code of Conduct, you've got the worker screening, all of these are legislative compliance regimes. Boxes to tick, yep. Yeah. Yeah, but if if we can start to see beyond that and shift our perspective towards a systems-based approach where we say, well, actually, if we can capture our expertise in this way, we're going to get better outcomes for our clients, we're going to get better outcomes for our business and for our staff and our practitioners, and that's why we're all in this business, right, to get those better outcomes. Mm. So, yeah, so that's... As an, as an introduction to, to quality management. Um, really, quality is about, it's, it's more about strategies rather than rules. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking at preventative strategies. So part of this process, we're looking at, you know, we're talking about risk management, identifying those things that we want to protect. So we want to be able to prevent risk from occurring or mitigate some of the risk. Um, we want to be able to improve what's going on. So we're doing both reactive and proactive planning and thinking and strategizing to kind of do a bit of that crystal ball gazing to see how is it that we can move forward into the future with the end with the end goal being better outcomes for our clients at the end of the day like we you know i think to operate in this in this world you know none of us would be doing it if we weren't putting the clients at the center of what we do and why we do it so the other part of that, of course, is about engagement. So how do we know that we're delivering a good service? Do we talk to our practitioners? Do we talk to our clients? Do we talk to their families? Like mm. at what data are we actually using to make up these preventative and improvement strategies? Like, you know, we're not just pulling them out of thin air. So the importance of data coming into the system is critical. Um, and really... Like at the, at the at the end of it, I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. I guess that's our you know yeah. like that's our, yep. our, our key thing, right? So we want we want to base it as much as possible on common sense. So really, we're going to do some really simple things. We're going to plan whether it's preventative strategy or improvement strategy, identifying risk. We're going to do it. We're going to put plans into action, and then we're going to check what we've done. See if what we've done worked. If it did, fantastic. More celebration. If it didn't, that's okay. Mm. Work on what did. 
and then start to improve. So if we continually look at it as a cycle, we've got scaffolding there. So we've got the scaffold to then improve our services using the cycle as well. And it's that onwards and upwards spiral. Once you've got that framework, that system in place, just, yeah. 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 Good one. Good one. Good one. So that leads us into this space between one audit and then the next one. You know, you can celebrate for, you know, months, but then someone needs to do something or else it will just be more despair on that lead up. So what do you suggest business owners kind of do to make sure that that momentum Mm. continues in readiness for the next check? Mm. I can't emphasize the importance of this enough um, because we're we're because we're getting to the stage in people's audit cycles too, where pretty soon, if not already, people are at their midterm audits for Mm. certification. And what I'm seeing is where people have got through their first one and they've got through and they've gone, oh, fantastic, what a relief. I'm biting my lip just anticipating (laughs) what you're going to say. And what's happened? We get a a month before the midterm. Oh, no, a month. A month. Um, And people may have not done anything. Oh, no. Where is the risk register? Yeah. (gasps) That's, That's almost more stressful than the first one. It, well, it is because your auditor's coming in to see what's happened since your last one, and there's no yeah. data, there's no, there's no movement, evidence, there's no nothing. Mm. So, oh wow, yeah. So to help people manage their stress levels, once you've got through that first audit, keeping that momentum is super important. Yeah. Um, so there's some really simple ways to do it. Really, really simple ways, and of course. What what the auditors are looking for are systems that are proportionate to the size of the business too. So not everybody is going to have a fantastic client information system or a, a range of different apps that they use. It's got to be proportionate. So for your really small practices, even being able to show your calendar to say in my in my calendar every quarter I allocate a few hours to my quality management system, so my policies, procedures, Mm. my risk register, my continuous improvement plan. We've done that every single quarter. I've made notes that I've done it. That's enough. So that's the the simplest way you can do it is within your calendar. People are diving for their calendars now. (laughs) They're not listening to us for the next 90 seconds. We can just (laughs) catch up. Good. Good. So it's evidence. It's evidence that someone has done something to maintain the quality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another really easy way to do that um, is to put quality improvement on your, your team meetings. Yeah, Just absolutely. Just put it on there as a, a standing item. Absolutely. A minute, what the conversation was, what the action was, what the training was. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, for your larger practices um, who have gone through the certification pathway, there is a requirement um, in the standards around having a documented internal audit system. Mm-hmm. So part of an internal audit, nobody says actually what that internal audit needs to look like, 
But essentially, you need to be looking at all parts of your system and assessing whether things are working, things are not working so well, and then you've got a plan to then work on improving those things that are going well or fixing up those things that aren't. So I foresee this is going to be a problem for people in their midterm audits where they're going through certification um, because the internal audit language is, it sounds hard, it sounds like a compliance regime, but essentially what you're doing once you've got that system in place, you're just checking it. You're, you're planning it, you're doing it, you're checking it, you're improving it. Yeah. Well, that demystifies that bit. What else can, should be happening in between? In between, look, it's, it's, it's really in terms of quality, obviously NDIS changes all the time. We, <laughs> we're touching on price guide changes uh, happening so frequently. Um, but also it's about just, just keeping track of uh, the NDIS Commission newsletters keeping up to date with what's yeah. happening in terms of review of particular things like early childhood intervention or mm-hmm. assessments or and 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 making sure that you're assessing risk again um, in yeah. terms of protecting your business because because you're looking forward you're looking forward to seeing to seeing what what might be coming up um, into the future. Um, so you know in terms of for those who've been through the verification pathway, um, you're probably most at risk of letting things lapse um, because there isn't mm. an ongoing requirement for internal audits. The auditors don't look at your client files, but I would encourage people to really take hold of your risk management process, your complaints and feedback process, your incident reporting processes to really kind of feed that data back into your business planning. Um, yeah. 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 I think there's also a cohort of businesses that took the verification pathway with the view to watch, wait and wonder about whether they wanted to kind of step over to certification if it was isolating some of the registration groups. So um, I think there's, yeah, that's extra, extra, you know, vigilance for those businesses that think they might, circle through certification in due course Mm. as and when required or as and when the business is a bit more ready Mm. yeah absolutely and look I think over the next few years look we're likely to see some changes to the practice standards um you know they they've been introduced they've been enforced for a couple of years now there's likely to be a review um you know those kind of reviews take a lot of time and because the the standards are in, um, in legislation. That whole process will take time, um, but mm. it's really important to kind of watch that space. I hadn't actually thought about the standards changing, but I guess if they're going to be asking other businesses to improve, they need to as well. <laughs> or is that just too obvious? Is that just <laughs> too obvious? Look, uh, look, I, I would really hope that the curation does have that kind of continuous improvement process in place. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So this is kind of getting towards this sort of culture of quality, um, this culture of improvement. And that takes, I guess, a certain leadership style as well and a certain management style. Um, what have you seen that kind of, what are the success factors for that? Because it 
can't just happen on in isolation. Mm-hmm. Excellent question. And I think that, you know, the culture comes from the top of a business mm. always. Um, it's fed by the people who are frontline. It's fed by everybody who works in the business, but leadership really comes from the top. So a commitment at that leadership level to to quality, not just to compliance, not just to ticking the boxes, but really saying let's make this system work for us mm. and perform better um, is, is so, so critical. Um, one of the things about quality management, where, where businesses have um, a role or a particular person who they've said, look, you can be our, our quality manager, um, that's fantastic. So allocating resources to, to people to actually perform this function is really critical if you as a business owner don't have the time to do it yourself but can lead in the way that says this is important. We're going we're gonna to put some, some resources here. Um, obviously, that, that person who is responsible for it needs to have the authority to be able to operate in that space. And what, what I mean by that is have the authority to be able to question policies and processes, have the authority to be able to talk to the team, to yeah. talk to clients, to talk to To family. drive it, yeah. really drive yeah, it without too many roadblocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And part of that, whoever that quality manager is or, you know, if that's the practice manager or if that's the mm-hmm. business owner, practice owner, is about, you know, talking to people and getting people to understand why they collect this data because a lot of times a lot of times you know back to that compliance idea I'm taking this box but why am I giving this why am I giving this information where is it going my feedback doesn't go anywhere so why bother you know so if, if there's the start of a common language and a culture around improving services in that way um, people are going to be more active in it um, and the, the, the results will be better all around. Yep. And if it's really um, assertively backed up by leadership and by business owners, there's that context of this is the way we do things here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So now would be a good time to mention, just quietly while no one's listening, that I have in fact seen a position description, um, QOQ, Queen of Quality. Really? That's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Don't quite know how PC it is, but it's working. (laughs) There may even be a tiara. I just couldn't be sure. (laughs) Don't know if that bit should go on the public record, but there is a queen of quality out there. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Anything else you kind of want to add into um, just creating and sustaining this culture of quality and the leadership it needs? Mm. Look, I think I think the biggest the biggest issue is really around communication and getting yeah. on the same page. You know, we we talk internally a lot about you know the the, the challenges of any organisation to get people on board. And that's not just recruiting people, mm. getting people on board with the vision and the mission of, you know, of the business and, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Quality is, is the same in a lot of ways. And, and hopefully over time 
what, what we hope to do with our clients and, and with our community as well is demystify this process, demystify the, the, mm. the, the, that quality is all about um, ticking the box and I'm going to be in trouble if I don't do it. And yeah. There's no point in doing X, Y, Z because no one looks at it anyway um, and really trying to engage people. So I, I think that's the biggest key is just engagement. With, yeah, with and rather than quality being an in in kind of coming from the outside in, that it actually starts from the inside and um, kind of flows out into all yeah. aspects of the of the business. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Recognize that there's that external driver, but take take ownership of it. Take yeah, and and use the power mm. that the ownership gives you because it's all really about using your expertise. It's about celebrating the expertise. Yep. So yep. yeah, yep. So I am apologetically not quite up to date with all all things that you offer and do right now. Um, run us through. I know you've got just a ton of resources. Um, run us through what you guys are doing and how you're helping allied health business owners right now. Mm. So. A lot of a lot of what we do at the moment still is assisting people through the process of registration or renewal um, of, of yep. the, the, the provider registration. And look what what that looks like um, for some practices where there aren't a lot of policy documentation in place. We can supply appropriate policy documentation, so we build that scaffolding to help you get going with that. Yep. Um, for those who already have documentation, um, we do what we call a gap analysis. So we look for what's not there yep. and then we plug the gaps. And then we teach you um, or, or, you know, bring you up to speed around what we've done to plug the gaps and then prepare prepare for that audit. So a lot of what we do is preparing for, for audit at this point. Um We've also developed an online uh, practical audit prep course. Yep. So we've gone through the whole core module of the practice standard. So it's not really for people going through verification, um, but for those going through the certification, including the core module, um, it's a it's a fantastic course. It's it's big. It's got ten lesson modules covering all all manner of uh, the core modules. And there's over there's more than three hours of video content attached mm. to that as well, plus all types of tools. Um, for for people who need much more hands-on help, who are probably coming up to their midterm, and hopefully aren't too scared by what we just mentioned around leaving. Are well prepared. Uh, well, well prepared. Yeah, we just probably need someone to to come in and have a look and and reassure them that they're well prepared. We also offer an internal audit service. So that's right. Yep. 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 We do that remotely. Um, and the idea of that is it looks and feels a lot like your your regular external audit, except we don't we don't interview clients and staff as part mm. of that process. But we'll make sure of a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Mm. And you mentioned also about um, the need to stay up to date with changes in the commission and the agency and all of that you guys are so well placed for that little bits of bits of gold yeah 
Yeah. And that's that's part of what we do as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's important for us to, to keep people up to date with what is happening and particularly, you know, with with reviews that are in place and looking into the to the to the crystal ball. Uh, oh, so are we are we going to the crystal ball now? I are think we? Might be. Yeah. I think we're going yeah. there. All right, pin your ears back, people. <laughs> Neither of us. Well, we both have pretty murky crystal balls right now about where it's all going. You go first. No, you promised not to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just talk about you know just some hunches about what you think the audit and even the NDIS might be looking like in the next year. Mm, in the next year, yeah. Look, I think the biggest thing that that applies to your to your guys who are probably watching this is look, and it's just a hunch I have to say, but I I do think, um, and it makes a lot of sense that early childhood intervention um, services will need to to come from a registered provider. So. Mm. Um, you know, for those out there who are thinking about registering for early childhood intervention and haven't done it because of cost or for, for whatever reason that you don't need to do that at the moment, um, probably good to just keep on top of any information that comes out about that, yep. that review. Um, I think that's that's probably the biggest yeah. um, intuitive hunch I have. Yeah. Yeah. We're sort of going into price guide season, aren't we, across May and June and July? Well, I think any month is really price guide season. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be kind of June and we'd all be hanging out and, you know, every Friday at five minutes past five, people would check their email. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard. It feels as though there's more moving pieces than almost ever before at every level. Absolutely, and I think the price guide is is the biggest example of that. Uh, you know, from if you look at it from the perspective of you know even just the the practice standards themselves or the auditing process mm. that hasn't changed. You know, they've implemented that twenty nineteen. There's been no change. And that's not to say that there won't be change. Um, and yep. so by the time you go through your next order, it hasn't changed yeah. again. Um, <clears throat> But certainly, yeah, uh, the price guide must be causing a lot of anxiety for people. Yeah, absolutely. Just wondering what's in it and what's out of it and what's up and what's down and what's more or less. And, yeah, and for participants as well, you know, with plans kind of changing shape, not always in a bigger way, they've got to manage their resources differently as well. So um, kind of big impact right right across, I reckon. Mm, absolutely. And it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how the NDIA handle uh, the independent assessments. Um, you know, yeah, especially with the the looking to roll it out before it was the consultation was finished. And so, yeah, the ink literally was not even dry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there's a pause on that for however however long, which I think was good, but long way to go on that one. I'd say absolutely. Mm, yeah. Any other little hunches? Look, uh, <laughs> uh, no. are they not enough? Uh, yeah, no, they're goals. They're good. Yeah, they're good. I thought we were, yeah, we weren't going to make people cry in this. Uh, no, look, I, I, I really think yeah, that it's, it's um, impossible. Yeah, I know. It's, mm. it's really, it's tough, and I think it's, it's commendable for people to be. Um, really taking hold of, of the NDIS system 
and doing everything that they can to make this thing work for them. Yeah. And I also, coming from the perspective of, you know, where we come from, um, I realise also that quality feels like an extra thing that you have to do. Um, and so I guess I'm just acknowledging um, and, and saying that people work really hard um, and it's it's difficult to change yeah. a landscape like this. Yeah. But allied health professionals, they have a commitment to quality from their training and they have monumental commitment to quality, providing quality services to their clients. This is about rebadging it and bringing it over to the other side of the desk and bringing that same commitment to quality systems into their business. So they're very familiar with it in their, the clinical part of the brain. It's just transferring same and learning new and different and bringing it into business. So yeah. they've got a great base to work from. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All mm. righty. Anything else you would like to add in, Susan? Look, I, I think I've probably, I've probably covered um, everything. I, I feel like I spoke very quickly about the, the great things about quality management. Hopefully, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully some of that um, resonates with people. Um, but yeah, look, I think if, if people are worried about um, their their audit preparation or their quality systems, well, just you know, feel free to reach out. You know, um, on our website we've got a, a huge amount of information in blogs, and we've got a YouTube mm. channel um, where we've got a I talk about what to expect in the certification audit. Um, so there's a, there's a range of resources that we're we're continuing to develop for people to just to just help out that that understanding. And you're right, like bringing the quality from the client perspective over to the business perspective as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we absolutely must make sure that we are chatting well within the two year time time frame. <laughs> so that we absolutely. can be helpful to allied health business owners because you know you're you're. Yeah, the clients that you have supported, the clients of ours that you've supported just rave about the experience. So, um, That's yeah, great. kudos to you for doing what you do in the way you do it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's great. Yep. It's always a pleasure, honestly. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. We will provide a link to your website and all your um, wonderful services somewhere near where people are listening and watching. And... Let's make sure we um, catch up sooner rather than later. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.